All right. Well, hey, if you have your Bibles, join me in Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. We've been in a uh, collection of teachings studying through the book of Acts. And today we are reaching our conclusion, our final point. And I want to kind of give a little bit of a recap of some key truths and some central things to becoming a radiant people and becoming a radiant church. And so we're going to look at that and we're going to kind of launch off and uh, take a look at a uh, set of, of uh, conversations or a conversation that the Apostle Paul has with the elders and the leaders of the various churches from Ephesus at another location before he heads to Jerusalem. And he has some final words for them before he heads to Jerusalem where eventually he would be arrested and then uh, eventually set sail and through a very a wide series of events, many miraculous events even, ends up in Rome, uh, gives testimony and witness to some things, ends up under house arrest where he spends the rest of his days there in Rome, inviting people into his home and preaching the kingdom of God and sharing with them of the goodness of God all along the way to, to any who would come and listen. But I want to listen and read into some of these words because I, I find this farewell that Paul is giving to these leaders an important charge for us today as we start heading into the end of a year, as we end this collection, and as we begin to uh, want to soak up and saturate into all of the, the core truths of what it means to be a radiant church. So Acts chapter 20, we're going to start in verse 18. Here's kind of what happens. Paul's right at the beginning of his discourse, and he says, when, when all of the elders there had arrived, he declared, you know that the day I set foot in the province of Asia until now, I have done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. I've endured the trials that came to me from the plots of the Jews. I love verse 20. I never shrank back. If you have a paper Bible, underline that phrase. I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. I have had one message for Jews and Greeks alike, the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and of having faith in our Lord Jesus. And now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. That word grace is the word gift, charis. In the Greek, it sometimes is grace and sometimes it's gift. Jesus said that he would send us a gift, the person of the Spirit. And so what we see, Paul is reminding them of some important things. That we've, pre we've declared repentance Faith in Jesus and the Spirit of God that does a work in us. There is something powerful. He's reminding them of the essence of what does it look like to give your life to Jesus. This is this in verse 25. And now I know that none of you to whom I have preached the kingdom will ever see me again. What a sad thing to say. Hey, we're saying goodbye for the last time. You'll never see me again. Like, here it is. It's coming to a conclusion. And he says, so I declare today, I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault, for I didn't shrink back 
from declaring all that God wants you to know. So guard yourself and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock. His church purchased with his own blood over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. And I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in and after you and after I leave, not trying to separating the flock. And even some men from your own group will rise up and they begin to distort the truth in order to draw a following. Watch out. Remember the three years I was with you, my constant watch and care over you night and day and my many tears for you. And now I entrust you to God, the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those he has set apart for himself. I have never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. You know that these hands of mine have been working to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who were with me. And I've been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had finished speaking, he knelt and prayed with them. Here is Paul giving some final charges to these leaders who had been with him and studied with him and helped them become the radiant people of God in the city of Ephesus. And one of the things that I think is very, very important for us to remember as we kind of look back as a recap over the last 22 weeks as we've been studying these texts together, I want to remind us today that the radiant church is fruitful and faithful never shrinking back from the message and mission of the kingdom of God. Never shrinking back from the message and the mission of God's kingdom. This is what the radiant people hold to, cling to. I love that in the very last two verses of the book of Acts, it says that Paul in his home, kept inviting and welcoming people in. Anyone who wanted to come, he would invite them in and share with them the good news of the kingdom and preaching this gospel message to them. He kept proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. In other words, for the radiant people of God, it's not about a one-time experience, but it is about a lifetime of faithfulness to the king of kings. It's about a lifelong pursuit of becoming the radiant people of God who ongoingly never set out to pasture, never give in, never give up, and regardless of their age or situation, find ways to be fruitful and faithful to Jesus as king. This is the call of the people of God to keep going. Will you turn to somebody and just tell them, hey, keep going. In other words, the the call to follow Jesus isn't about one decision in the water. It's about a lifelong process of pursuit in the direction of Jesus. It's about an ongoing allegiance and faithfulness to a king, about, about being radiant and becoming more radiant in your latter days than you were in your beginning days. I hope I am more full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control at 85 than I will be at 45. Like a good wine, I want to age really well and become more and more valuable to the people around me. 
more and more helpful to the people around me, more and more committed to the truth of God and to the kingdom of God. I want us to grab a hold of this word. Don't shrink back. The work that God began, he wants to finish. And our participation and surrender of an ongoing nature towards Jesus, of taking one next step after another next step, after one moment of surrender to another day of full yielding to him. It's one step after another, never shrinking back in the progression and the radiance that has begun. We don't want to go back to a radioactive faith. Church, I don't want you to go back to a radioactive faith where sin plagues you and distorts the message of the gospel in your life and in my life. It's not about living perfect. That's why we get the joy of repenting and confessing and moving in his direction. This is the beauty of what Christ has done for us by his blood. It's not something we've earned or deserved or feel good about. It's his mercy and his, and his loving kindness towards us who believe. It's something that, that we must not shrink back from. We must, if we're not going to shrink back, we have to choose to be devoted regardless of circumstance or convenience if we want to become radiant and never shrink back towards being radioactive. Like, it doesn't matter the circumstance or the conven- whether it's convenient. We're going to choose to be devoted to God. Uh, John Piper wrote, writes this. This is the greatest enemy of hunger for God is not poison, but apple pie. It is not the banquet of the wicked that dulls our appetites for heaven, but endless nibbling at the table of the world. It's not the X-rated video but the prime time dribble of triviality we drink in every night. For all the ill that Satan can do, when God describes what keep us from the banquet table of his love in Luke chapter 14, it is a piece of land, a yoke of oxen, and a wife. The greatest adversaries of love to God, devotion to God, is not his enemies, but his gifts. And the most deadly appetites are not the poison of evil for the simple pleasures of earth. For when these replace an appetite for God himself, the idolatry is scarcely recognizable and almost incurable. I want those words to seek in. If we're going to be the radiant people of God, there is a devotion, a decision in our devotion to be disciplined in a way that allows the appetites for the right things. Because the greatest enemy of our faith is not the evil around us, but is the gifts that God has given us already. Where we easily allow the gifts of God to become an idol, replacing our love for God and devotion for him. And we begin to insulate ourselves with the conveniences and the gifts rather than living in a consecrated way devoted to him in full, full bloom. See, the, the radiant church in Acts that we've been studying was growing in their devotion, and they did so by engaging in purposeful actions that were counterintuitive to the culture that was around them. We see these things introduced in the beginning of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, and then you see these markers of a radiant church show up all throughout the book of Acts. In fact, uh, as we read Acts chapter 2 today, I, I want you to underline some of these key things. There'll be five things that we'll talk about, and I'll pull out from this. And I encourage you, 
highlight these words in different colors. And then one day, go back and read through the book of Acts. And every time you come to an identity marker of the radiant church, represented in Acts chapter 2 somewhere else in the book of Acts, highlight it in that same color so you can always reference back to it. That's a little master class on studying the Bible. You're welcome. And some of you who like colors, I just gave you the greatest gift. You're asking for highlighters from Santa this year. Well done. <laughs> Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Look, look at, look at what it, how it describes the church. All the believers devoted. Somebody say devoted. devoted. Devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers, somebody say all, all, met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all of the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. What we see are, are a few characteristics and core practices of a radiant church. There are five that I want to highlight. I'm going to give them to you real quick, and then I'm going to go back through and talk about each one for just a minute. Five core practices and characteristics of a radiant church. Things that we don't want to shrink back from, we don't want to quit doing, we want to grow in increasing measure in these things. Number one, they were a lo loving, learning, growing, generous, and miraculous community. These five characteristics and practices. Loving, learning, growing, generous, and miraculous. Number one, they were a loving community. They had sincere hospitality towards other people. Let me rephrase that. They had sincere hospitality and genuine kindness and warmth towards one another, towards the people of God. Let me ask you a question. Are you inviting people into your real life or are you staying on the shallow end just saying hi on Sunday and moving on? They were a loving community. What would it look like if, if, as a loving community, we didn't shrink back from showing up early and we stuck around late at our gatherings looking for at least one person to get to know better than we knew last Sunday? When you, when you view church as an event you attend rather than a community and people that you belong to, that tells you how you consume such a thing. And if we're going to be the radiant people of God, we have to grow in learning, inviting, welcoming in, being proactive and getting to know someone's name. Do you know someone's name and their story of faith? The people that sit in your, in your section, because you all sit in about the same section every week. Some of you are more filled with the Spirit, and you move around to other places. You bless you. I love you. Wonderful. Right? Really? But typically, you're going to see some of the same people. Do you, more than, do you know more about them than just their name? Do you know more about them than the gossip that you hear in the community about their reputation? Do you know their story? Do you know their children's names? Do you know how they got a hold, what God has been saying and doing in their life and their heart? This is a call to being the radiant people of God that is more than just being familiar with people, but growing and investing in them as if they were of the family of God. 
there is something that happens when the Spirit of God gets a hold of our life that we begin to grow in this, this knowing of other people. They were a loving, they met together in the temple and in each other's homes, sharing meals together. This is what the Apostle Paul did at, at his later years. Remember, he, he would sit at home and welcome people into his home to get to know them and share with them the truth about who Jesus is again and again. A loving community is one that grows in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love is not boastful. Love is not proud. Love is not rude. Love does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable. Love keeps no record of being wronged. Love does not rejoice about injustices but it rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. Love is always hopeful. Love endures through every circumstance. This is what the radiant people of God chose not to shrink back from, but to grow in ever-increasing manner the love of God towards the people of God. They were a loving community. Friends, don't shrink back from being a loving community. We're a radiant people that have received the love of God and freely we have received, freely we ought to be giving. And it reorients our priority to love people. This is the kind of community we want to see flourish and grow. And it takes all of us taking that call on to love one another the way Christ has called us to love. They were a loving community. Another practice and marker of the early uh, radiant church in the book of Acts. Number two, they were a learning community. Somebody say learning community. They had a posture of humility and were teachable and were hungry to learn the truth of God. They, they were hungry, like, like hungry for that deep fried turkey kind of hungry. You've been smelling it all day, ready for it to come. Like, oh, I'm, this is going to be good right here. I'm going to have me some of this. There's a hunger that starts to rumble in you. There was a hunger to learn. I love that learning occurred on the daily, not just the weekly. Some of you show up to our gatherings and you're like, oh, I'm so ready for the presence. I'm so ready for the word. I'm so ready. That's because you didn't eat all week. You had no spiritual food all week long. Learning about God is a daily practice that they engaged in. And if we're going to grow in the radiance and not shrink back to being radioactive, there is a daily learning of God that occurs, an ongoing learning that occurs in those areas. And I think learning happens best in groups. We continually find ways to circle people up so they can learn and grow together. Connect groups. Our youth connects for our teenagers in our kids' rooms right now, you have leaders uh, sitting in a circle with your elementary age kids, helping them discuss and interact with the truth about God that they're learning on their level. I love that we send home resources with all of our kids who attend any of our environments for you as parents so you can learn about Jesus together. Some of you might feel intimidated because you're like, I don't really know like, if I can answer their questions or if I know much about God. You can learn on their level too. It's okay. You can start using the resources in your own life to learn with your kids, to learn with them. We want to continue to, to give access 
uh, I mean, this way is we, 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 we put up a weekly podcast where you can go back and listen to not only this message, but you from our Central Hope can listen to any message over the last several years so you can keep learning what the Word is saying and teaching in you and through, through, through our, our family. Uh, this Christmas, you have an opportunity to be a learning community. We're, we're ha- putting together, or we have put together, an Advent guide with a daily reading plan, some common practices, and some things for your kids, families, and even if you want um, to go more traditional, some candle lighting and liturgies that you can do in your home as a family so that you can study and learn about Jesus as we await to celebrate his arrival on the earth. In fact, um, next week, we should have printed uh, copies of this Advent Guide book for you for free. Um, They got caught up in the shipping containers and are not here yet, unfortunately. But starting December 1st, you can journey with us and begin digitally and then pick up your devotion. And we want to encourage you to, on the screen, there's a, a text code, Advent 23, all no spaces, that you can pull out your phone right now. And text the number 620-604-9280. I said it wrong. 9280. And just simply text the keyword ADVENT23. And make a decision that you're going to lean in and learn this Advent season about who Jesus is. There's a reading plan we've put together. There's things that you can do with your family once a week if you want. You can use this guide however suits you and help, is helpful to you. But, but we want to continue to create resources like this and curate resources so that you have an opportunity to learn. Because I'm going to stand before God one day, and like Paul, I want to be able to say, I've been faithful to present the truth, and it's not on me if you didn't choose to eat. I want to be able to stand like Paul with a clear conscience and heart to say, God, I I gave them every opportunity and resource. I I gave so much energy. We we as a church resourced them so they could grow in being the radiant people of God if they wanted to. Don't shrink back from your devotion. If you miss one day, don't miss two days. Just keep taking the steps to learn and grow because the radiant church never shrinks back from being a learning community. Number three, the radiant church is a growing community. The Lord was adding to their number daily those whose lives were being transformed by the work of the Spirit. We we want to take intentional steps as a church to continue to make room for other people in our lives and in our midst. We want to continue to take intentional steps individually to journey with other people so they can learn what we have learned. I said last week, you don't need to wait till you know everything about God to share something about God that you already know. Uh, several weeks ago, we talked about this, this, this call that God has given us to be a journeyman with people. And we use this, this picture map. I, wanna, I want you to see this again. This, what does it look like to journey with people who are far from God, who are radioactive, and they grow to become more and more radiant, and where they meet the real Jesus? We, we all know people who are on different places in the pathway of knowing God and growing in God. 
And our job as the radiant people of God is to meet up with them wherever they're at in the journey and walk with them towards meeting the real Jesus and beyond. It is a call that is more than just, hey, come to church on Sunday. It is, hey, let's grab coffee and let me tell you what I learned about God on Sunday. Amen. It's what God has done in me, I want to share with you. I may not know everything, but I know God is doing something. It's, it's an understanding that our call as followers of Jesus, being the radiant people of God, is to help move people in our lives that God has placed us in their life to help guide them down the path from being radioactive, unbelieving, prodigal sons and daughters, and helping them meet the real Jesus, and they too can grow in their own radiance. I would venture to say that all the people who got baptized today, someone journeyed with them on some level, not only to get to church, but to get to the point where they began to know God. And that's what we're all called to do. And it's not our knowledge. We just bear witness to what God has already begun to do in us. And it's the radiance of the Spirit in us that we begin to give witness to the people of God because we don't shrink back, but we keep growing as a community of faith. Amen? Amen. Number four practice that they had was a practice of generosity. A practice of generosity, giving, sacrificially, growing in this way resourcing one another and helping supply all that would be needed at different points in time. They grew in generosity. The radiant people of God are generous people. Paul reminded them, uh, remember, Jesus' words, it's more blessed to give than to receive. One of the reasons I am so personally committed to a rhythm of generosity is because I know if I'm not intentional with my generosity, money will easily become an idol that I fall prey to giving it too much of my affections. It's the gifts of God that we often turn into God's themselves. And that may not be something that's ever been an issue for you in your life, and bless you for it. I'm just saying, I have to make intentional decisions to be generous in a way that allows the kingdom of God to grow in me. Otherwise, I will shrink back into some things that isn't right for the kingdom of God. Proverbs 11.24 says it like this. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. I love the paraphrase of the message. It says, the world of the generous just gets larger and larger. And the world of the stingy shrinks smaller and smaller. You want to shrink back from the blessing of God in your life? Start being stingy with the blessings that God has placed in your hands to steward. You want your world to expand? You want your heart and love for other people to extend? Start being generous and watch what God does. In 2 Corinthians 9, Paul is reminding the church in Corinth of this very thing. He says, you must each decide in your own heart how to give. Don't give reluctantly or in a response of pressure and manipulation. That's, that's not of God. 
God loves a person who gives cheerfully, willfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over. Why? To share with others. It goes on to say in verse 11, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. He's reminding the church of what this looks like to have a repeated rhythm of generosity, a repeated rhythm. Throughout the Bible, it would be referred to as the tithe, a percentage given at a certain time in an ongoing, recurring way. In the New Testament, they would say, give everything and let let God know and trust God with it all. In Paul's words, he would say, hey, set aside something as each is able on an ongoing basis to collect. So it's not so much at one time, but it's an ongoing rhythm of generosity. Online, you can give up, like you can set up these reoccurring givings. And I think that's a challenge. Some of you may have started in that way, but have shrunk back from that. Some of you have never taken a step and been an ongoing recurring giving. I want to challenge you. What would it look like to to surrender that area of your life to the Lord and to say, God, I trust you, and then you'll have what you need and even more to be generous. Why? Because the world of the generous gets larger and larger. Some of you have never given. I want to challenge you on December 24th when we have our Christmas services, 9 and 1045 on Christmas Eve in the morning. It'll be a family service. It'll be a big celebration, lots of singing, the Christmas story. But one of the things that we do is we give to some special opportunities. And 100% of everything given that day goes out the door to these, uh, to these uh, partners that we have. We're giving in two specific directions. One is to core communities. They're starting ministry that we're partnering with here locally to help them get off the starting line and to keep moving forward to help eradicate poverty in our midst. I believe that's a, a worthy thing, to help people have practical tools to grow, provide, understand, and steward their life that God has given to them in a wonderful way. So we're going to help in that way, but we're also going to give towards a Celsi. This is the second year that we're giving in a a specific way to a Celsi, and that is to help them with a mental health clinic there in Guatemala. It's the, the only one of its kind in that area where people can come for free and receive help and wholeness in this area. When we were in Guatemala this past uh, summer, we got to meet the therapist that they are hiring, that, that our generosity last year helped to provide her salary and get this whole program started. We got to pray in her office where she would start meeting these uh, clients, most of whom who are, are dealing with some sort of abuse physically and sexually and finding wholeness and healing in the name of Jesus in some clinical and practical ways some ongoing support that they deeply need. And we got to meet them and pray with them and celebrate with them. Uh, She's right there in the middle, just a beautiful smile, uh, graduating from their Bible school there in Aselsi as well. And as we were praying over her in the office, I don't um, often share things like this, but um, not not publicly because I just typically, but I felt like the Lord wanted me to share this today. While we were praying, um, Carrie and Greg were praying over them, and we were sitting in their office, and I just began to weep, seeing what God was doing. And I, I remember in that moment, the Holy Spirit whispered to me, and he said this, if you'll fund it here, 
I'll fund it there. If you'll fund this ministry in Guatemala, I'll fund this ministry in Fort Scott. I believe part of being the radiant people of God is helping people recover, rehabilitate, and be renewed spirit, soul, and body. I believe there will be a day that we have a center that is mixed with both clinical, professional counseling and spiritual freedom and deliverance to help people get set free from all of the past and baggage that has held them back. It's going to be housed in a ministry sent out, covered, and funded by Faith Church. When is that going to happen, Pastor? I don't know. I'm just saying by faith today, publicly to the people of God, we are going to continue to be the radiant people of God. We're not going to shrink back. We're going to continue to be generous, and we're going to sow a seed of a need that we know exists in our community into Guatemala this year, and we believe God's going to bring the increase in the harvest in his time when he's ready. Amen? Amen. They were a generous community. The radiant people of God, lastly, were a miraculous community where the Holy Spirit would speak to them, kind of like he whispered to my heart in Guatemala, kind of like he's whispering to some of your hearts right now. They were miraculous. They saw the miraculous hand of God in so many ways. Healings. Oh, there's a story that blows my mind. Uh, the Apostle Paul talked so long that a boy fell asleep in a window shield, fell out of the second-story window, and died. Paul went down, laid on him, and he was raised from the dead. This is why I have a timer, so I cut it off early, because I don't know I've got the faith to bring some of you back. I'm just, just being honest. Some of you are like, that timer needs to go a little faster. You need to be obedient. Hey, easy, easy. We're a learning community here. They, they saw miracles, healings where they would lay hands on people and they would be healed. Why? Because they believed that being the radiant people of God started with receiving the Holy Spirit and walking in the power of the Holy Spirit everywhere they went. Friends, you need the Holy Spirit in your life if you're going to become radiant. Why? Because you need the Holy Spirit working in your life for the assignment that's on your life. To be the teacher to be the professional, to be the construction, to be the cattleman, to be whatever it is that you're assigned to do in life. You need the Holy Spirit. Power, wisdom, anointing, guidance, leading, and gifts and fruit in your life to do that in full measure to what God has called you to do. You and I each have a redemptive potential in the kingdom of God, and it is the Holy Spirit who brings about that redemptive potential. They saw people filled with the Spirit in full pursuit of His presence and the power of the Spirit. They were prophetic, and they saw gifts as people matured in them. They saw provision show up in miraculous ways that blew their mind, that science couldn't explain, that it didn't make sense, but God God did it. God did it. He still does it because he's still saving people by his spirit and his spirit hasn't ceased to be an operation. So we are not cessationists. We are continuing because we believe the mission of God started on Pentecost and it is continuing until Jesus returns. If we're going to see the miraculous move of God, you want to know what it looks like? It looks like parents bringing their children to church when culture says get really busy doing other things that are more important. But parents come and say, no, we're dedicating our children to be raised in the family of God to be more like God and radiant than radioactive of the world around them. 
It looks like people saying, I was bound in sin, but I'm ready to bury that old person in the water and come to new life in Jesus. Every time the Spirit saves somebody, somebody comes to faith, somebody repents, somebody takes a step towards Jesus to learn, to love, to be hospitable, to be generous. It's the beginnings of the Spirit working something miraculous in our midst. Let's not get so used to the normal work of God that we forget that it is God who is doing it. And so we pray like it depends on God, and we work like it depends on us, believing the winds of the Spirit will continue to move in our midst. We are committed to prayer, committed to seeking God, committed to helping people learn of the Spirit, walk in the power of the Spirit, and we are in full pursuit of the the move of God that is beyond us and miraculous in this day. I believe we're going to continue to hear stories of people who are getting healed, physical healing emotional healing, mentally things beginning to shake and change in their lives, marriages restoring, people, uh, children growing and feeling a call and hearing the work of God in their lives. We're going to see it again and again. Why? Because the radiant church doesn't shrink back from their devotion to Jesus, but they remain faithful and fruitful regardless of circumstance or situation. Paul had all sorts of hell break loose and and happen in his life. The early church experienced persecution and suffering and disaster and hardship. But the radiant church continues to practice, is devoted to these five things so we can remain faithful. Church, don't shrink back. Take another step towards the radiance of God. Don't shrink back to being more radioactive and busy with life and the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth and the the pull of the flesh distorting what God is trying to do in you and in me. Don't shrink back. I love the words of Hebrews 10. Verse 39. But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. In other words, we we aren't those who shrink back. We aren't those who hide, conceal, withdraw from the community of God. When When we're dealing with something, we don't shrink back and hide it. No, no, we come forward and confess it and say, I need some help and let the loving community do its work. We don't shrink back from learning of God And we start learning about the ways of the world and woke culture and and what the narrative of the world says about who you are and your identity so that we shrink back to our own destruction. No, we continue to learn and grow what God has said and called us to. And he's given us a, a calling, an assignment, and an identity in Christ. And we don't shrink back from those things. We are not like those who shrink back, who turn away from their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved, remain faithful, don't shrink back. Keep doing the spiritual practices so you don't fill your life with the sinful practices that produce radioactive life of sin, but rather grow you in the radiance of the life of God. Would you stand with me? Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes. Still your movements. Take a couple deep breaths and just be present in the moment.
Would you ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? Are these practices something I've shrunk back from, never started or stopped doing? I want to remain faithful. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? Lord, we want to be the radiant people of God. So we want to walk in obedience to your spirit. God, we don't want to shrink back and go back to being radioactive in our life. But God, we want to have faith in you and be faithful to you. And Lord, these practices, these five things, allow us to work in tandem with your spirit in our lives. So, Lord, help us to be faithful. And when we're not faithful, may we cling to your faithfulness. And may your faithfulness remind us that we can be faithful because you live in us. Holy Spirit, make us radiant like you. We pray this in the name of the Father who loves us, the Son who's died for us, and the Holy Spirit who lives in us. And all the people of God said, amen. Hey, our blessing and benediction is up on the screen. It's right there. If you haven't texted in, remember Advent, do that today. Grab that devotional. If you need prayer, our team's available. But let's remind each other to stay moving forward and to not shrink back as we speak blessing over each other. Can we do it? Ready? Let's read it. The Lord bless you. And the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious face towards you and give you peace. Hey, go in God's grace and peace today. You are loved. I really hope today's message was life-giving. As a church, we want to help you encounter God and take another next step in your allegiance to Jesus. I want to ask you to take a step right now, in fact. Would you just share this message with a friend? Maybe post it on your social, text a coworker the link. Just be sure to include something that you learned or how it impacted you personally. When you do that, you get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in someone else. And don't forget to visit our central hub, faithchurchks.org. You'll find other next steps that you can take in your faith, including giving and partnership with us as we help others encounter Jesus like you've encountered him. Hey, we love you. And until we get to hang out again, remember, don't shrink back from your faithful allegiance to King Jesus.